Hi, I'm Lara Johnson-Wheeler and I'm a writer slash editor slash broadcaster. This is The Fashion Slashy, a Click and Me podcast. Every episode, I will be talking to a member of the fashion industry whose work I'm keen to know more about, delving into their process, their trajectory and how they navigate a career in fashion. Click and Me is the fashion network, helping creatives connect and collaborate better. This episode has been recorded remotely under lockdown conditions implemented by the government. You may hear birds, cars, or occasional household sounds in the background. This week's guest is Kate Ayorga. Kate, can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Kate Ayorga and I'm a stylist slash creative director slash consultant. Just to start off with, how do you define your role in the fashion industry? I think a good way to describe a stylist is a kind of an arbiter of taste, mm. if, you, if you may. You may. <laughs> I think um, styling is an integral part of the fashion industry. Essentially, without clothes, you know, there's no shoots. You know, we as stylists are responsible for creating that fantasy and that story um, that speaks to an audience. A really great dress can really change someone's life or, you know, someone's career. For example, you know, if you remember the Jennifer Lopez Versace dress that she wore to the Grammys, you know, that mm. kind of changed... How could one forget? <laughs> that kind of changed her career overnight and it sort of broke the internet before the, the sort of term was even coined. And it created Google Images. So, like, that one dress had so much impact on the world. And on culture, as we know exactly. it. Exactly. Like I said, you know, without clothes, there's no shoot. But then, you know, without photographers, there's no shoot. There's a pair of makeup, there's no shoot. So I think it is also that fine balance between self-expression and collaboration within the industry. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's so interesting because I think for a lot of young people who are interested in moving into a career in styling, I think they'd be interested to know mm -hmm. to what extent you have to cultivate your own style in order to style other people. Well, you know, that comes with experience and that comes with age and maturity because, you know, I'm still also learning my sort of style and my taste and I've been doing this for quite a while. You know, you're, you're essentially selling clothes. You're essentially selling a story or creating a fantasy. You're selling something to somebody. The more confident you are with your choices, the more bold you are, the better results are. And that comes from experimenting and trying and collaborating and working with somebody and knowing you work well together and vice versa. Mm. And yeah. Do you have people that you like to work with on a regular basis or are you kind of always looking for new collaborators? It's definitely a bit of both. I think once you find people that you mm. enjoy working with and you basically just get on with, because really, if you're on set, you want to work with someone who you like. That's kind of, you know, that's that's really important, not just in styling, just in anything, you know, you, you, mm. you look for people that, you know, you get on with and you gravitate towards, but also obviously share the same sort of passions and share the same, you know, vision. Um, so, yeah, I think working with friends or people that you've worked with more than once and you kind of know their style and uh, I think is really important. But at the same time, that can also get a bit stagnant and, you know... You need to shake things up. Exactly, exactly. You can't just be safe or comfortable so I think it's always good to look for new talent working with new people you know social media is an amazing way to find new people to work with and I always have like a list of photographers or just like creatives that I'm interested to work with or magazines you know you just always do research I think research is important look through magazines everything's so digital now and everything's so readily available you know there's kind of no excuse for you not to know what's going on because back in the day you know you'd have to buy a magazine you have to pay for that Vogue or whatever and if you didn't 
you would have been out of the loop. And mm. I think now we're so privileged that we have it right at our fingertips. There's kind of no excuse, really. And also, you know, your network, going out, meeting people as well, going to events, you know, meeting friends of friends. Because everyone works within the industry one way or another. I think you'll always find someone that you can get on with and create something. I think it's quite crucial right now to kind of give some context for our listeners that we're recording this episode during the time of lockdown in the UK mm -hmm. due to the coronavirus. And the key thing I think that we really need to touch on is the impact of this pandemic on the fashion industry. Absolutely. And crucially on its freelancers. And of course, you mentioned, you know, networking and going out and being mm -hmm. social. Yeah. What do you think would be an alternative to that kind of process during this time? I think this is actually a weird sort of silver lining that as the fashion industry, like we all need to slow down. And, you know, fashion is overwhelming at the moment, especially with so many fashion weeks going on. There's just so much content constantly. You know, this is the perfect time to just really take a breather and think, what can we do after this stocks? What can we change, you know? But still being creative and thinking of ways to come up with ideas and stuff. I'm so interested to hear that you're interested in the silver lining behind this. I think it's something that creatives are finding really difficult to do and I so admire your spirit, <laughs> Kate, at being able to kind of keep going. Can you tell me a bit about sort of the ideas that you may have been having in isolation or anything you're doing to kind of to keep that ticking over? Only now, like about a month in, I'm starting to think, okay, mm. now the shock's kind of died down. Mm. I can start thinking about some mood boards I can do or some fashion ideas or art direction ideas, just anything mm. I can kind of think within my means. So what exactly is your process when it comes to art directing or creative directing or styling or, or putting together a concept for a shoot? How do you start? It really ranges, I suppose. You know, for example, if I do a shoot for V Magazine, I shoot with them quite regularly. So they'll come to me with a British artist because they're an American publication and I kind of have full control of what to do with them, which is quite nice. So I just kind of take on the artists and I would look at their sort of taste or style and I see what they would usually wear and I would think, okay, well, how can I change that? <laughs> I like to sort of break the mould a little bit. I like to, yes, you know, as like cheesy as it sounds, but I do like to make them look like they've never been seen before in a way. You kind of do a bit of research on them and then you do a mood board and then you send it off to the editor and then they kind of approve or whatever and then it kind of goes from there. And, you know, I don't really plan mm -hmm. too much. I kind of go straight onto Vogue Runway and I just look at collections because the collections could really inspire me or there could be a one show that I'm really obsessed with, you know, say yeah. I love the Saint Laurent show and I want to base the story around that I would go and do that but I think research is important and planning and organizing like I try to be as organized as possible you know I make a million Google Drive documents <laughs> I, I think organization is key but also references and the more you know the better basically creatively so the more references you know the easier things become because you can draw on things more easily exactly yeah because when you're on set and then your mind goes blank but then you're like oh you know I saw that amazing image I don't know from the Versace show back in the 90s or something and it kind of just like gives you a little head start on mm. something so you're not just lost so taking ourselves out of the current situation so imagining a time pre or post hopefully lockdown how do you get work on a daily basis in an old-fashioned way i guess you would say you do editorials so you do free editorials you know you build your portfolio and then advertising jobs come after that when you have that body of work can we just unpick that you know you just said that in such a casual manner you do editorials for free and then the advertising work yeah. comes. but i'm sure a lot of young people would be very surprised to hear that editorial work you're kind of expected to do that and to work for free it's an interesting one because 
it's something that I grew up with not even questioning. Mm. That was just it and no one really questioned it. But, you know, the older you get in this industry, you kind of realise, for example, magazines don't have much budget. They don't have a lot of money. Independent magazines don't have advertising. And it kind of all makes sense. And, you know, it's not trying to take advantage of you. It's just how the industry is built, unfortunately. And how do you think your career is different from how you maybe expected it to be? I think when I was younger, I didn't really know the tech technicalities of things of like we were talking about how to get work or who gets you work producers for example is people who book you on shoots and Mm. when I was younger I didn't really know anything about that you're a bit blasé about going into it you think it's all just about clothes and fun and dressing up but you know there's much more to it it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of hard graft it's actually I think one of the most laborious of jobs in the industry and you don't really go into it thinking that obviously when you assist you've sort to realise just how much work goes into a shoot. I'm interested to hear about um, how people got their first start because I think for Click Me, such a big thing for our community is that people are connecting for the first times and sharing their work and it's you know right now such an important thing as well during the isolation period that people can go online and have that nudge from a friend in the right direction I think the same sort of rules apply still to this day in terms of researching who you like you've got to be there at the right time and you've got to know where you want to be so I assisted Jack Borquette for about three years who is a mm. dear friend of mine now and who's an amazing stylist but then after I left Jack I started assisting Jane Howe and with Jane I seeked out Jane myself you know I emailed her and I was persistently emailing them for like a few (laughs) weeks (laughs) until you get to come in and show what you can do and for example now during this coronavirus period do the research write a list of all the people that you really love aim high because you don't know you know people are always looking for work seek that out you know see if anyone knows a way in or maybe they know an email address it really does come from just literally an email address that's all you need absolutely do that groundwork you know because before I, I remember my very first like shoot or yeah. something I didn't know how to work a steamer just just little things like that everything helps everything helps like research 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 okay let's talk through um the piece of work that you're most proud of do you want to tell me a little bit about the images that our audience can go and see on your click me profile uh-huh so I chose a really special piece I think <laughs> it's a collaboration between myself and a London-based designer called Depezzo and photographer Nick Hadfield. She's a really great designer and a friend. She does these amazing dresses. They look wet, but they're not. And it's like a really amazing technique that she's learned. It's just really fascinating. I think I called in some of her pieces for a shoot that I was doing with Aquaria from Rufus Tragos. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then we just got to talking and both were like, oh my God, we have the same vision or, you know, we love the same things. Let's do something together. We had like a three hour meeting, just literally chatting and having a drink. It was really fabulous. Mm, absolutely. That's kind of how this idea came about because this collection is a continuation of her first project called wetness and this is called the water broke it's a collection about motherhood and pregnancy and fertility and femininity and it's everything i really really love and i think is really important to sort of talk about and yeah and then we brought on some more creatives you know silver mcmillan did the nails who's absolutely incredible yeah we just created this amazing piece of work that i think is really special because we all just really understood each other on a creative level so i'm looking at the images now and i think what's so striking about what I'm seeing is that they're so clearly 
elements of you know your own personal aesthetic involved in this collaboration can you tell me a bit more about how perhaps you use those themes as well in your own work um yeah my work has got a sort of like sexy element <laughs> in a way essential like womanly celebrating women that's kind of I think where I'm going with my work at the moment yeah I think both of our styles definitely merge well together because her style it kind of complements mine because mine would be sort of bold and maybe a bit more modern and hers has kind of got that ancient amazing like renaissance feel to hers as well so it's kind of merging the two together which is really great but again you know nothing's ever really that planned and i think also why i really enjoy this body of work is because it wasn't planned you know too much people when people look at it they think it was done in like a huge set or it was a really big production but actually it wasn't and that's what mm. i kind of love i think it's because you know you create a world out of mm. nothing and just produce this iconic body of work so kate i just wanted to ask you about the practicalities behind creating such an ethereal and kind of mystical shoot can you tell me a bit about the process you know it starts off with the designer showing me the collection me consulting on the looks or what I think we should add take away you know what looks good with that corset or what looks good with that trouser you know etc that's kind of the starting point and then you know you go off and you have imagery that you really love and you want to sort of emulate or a vibe that you really like feel and and then we have another conversation with the photographer and then you know hair and makeup and nails mm. then come in afterwards no, absolutely. so it's a lot of preparation beforehand you know and also with set design we had an amazing set design that we used for the show as well mm-hmm. in September Ellie all those components come together on the day of the shoot mm-hmm. sort of organically like I said before once you're on set things do change and things can happen but it all works out because you know we're all there for a reason absolutely is there a lot of back and forth with emails or do you try in your own practice to see people face to face as much as possible well yes there's a lot of talking there's a lot of back and forth we did meet quite a bit but um I think emails or phone conversations is just as good sometimes. Obviously, when you need to see visuals, that's better in person. But, you know, if we're talking about how mm. we can change things post-corona, for example, um, talking on the phone or via videos, that could be just as good. We don't need to travel. We don't need to take these mm. extra measures. You know, there's no need. Do you feel the same way about fashion shows? Do you, as a stylist, feel that you have to see the clothes in a show in order to get the same emotion? Or are you happy with flat? imagery i don't think it's necessary to see it in person i think it's great and if you can like you know do it i think Mm. there is a sort of fantasy that's with the show that gets you really excited and you know you remember like why you know you're doing it it does get you excited but that's just such a quick rush that it just goes Mm. within minutes and then you think well did i need to travel did i need to fly to see that did i need to pollute the world (laughs) flying to see the show you know I don't think it's necessary I think we can do a lot with just visuals um so I think we don't need to have that many shows I don't think we need to have that many fashion weeks I don't think we need crews you know every month there's like a new show you know cruise or pre-fall you know I feel like we don't need that much I think fashion weeks can get much shorter and I think it'll benefit our planet I think it'll benefit our, our mindset as well because it's just so overwhelming having so much information Mm. coming in constantly you know there's so many shows you can't keep track and I think it's really taken a toll I think now we're kind of paying for it yeah I'm also so interested in the way that I think stylists can help 
this sustainability issue. Uh, and what I'm referring to is that I think it's so important that stylists can show how pieces can be used in different ways by being, you know, manipulated for different perspectives and how you can wear one piece Absolutely. and swap it around rather than just having more and more and more. Yeah, I, you know, I totally agree. I think we can reuse pieces in shoots as well. Like, I love using vintage because kind of just gives you a different kind of mood that was part of a different era, but also you don't feel like you're just using these clothes. There's a nicer purpose to clothes when it's been reused and, you know, re-loved. So I definitely mm. think this is a way we should be going forward. You know, also... I quite like that some actors and actresses have been like re-wearing their pieces mm. on red carpets or, you know, at the Oscars or something. I think that's a really mm. cool way of repurposing old gowns, you know, which is ridiculous, you know. We shouldn't wear beautiful things just once. It shouldn't be like that. But I guess it's just what our society's kind of like made us do. And then we think that's the norm, but actually it's not. It shouldn't be. So I think just repurpose things in any way that you can. Just every that little bit mm. will go a long way. And I think it really adds to texture to the fashion landscape in itself oh yeah definitely earlier when we were talking you said that you would say no to a job if you felt that you couldn't give it your 100 mm percent -hmm. can you tell me yeah. a bit more about that what do you think the process is of when you might be able to say no to a piece of work i think um the biggest factor is probably time if a job comes to me that's really last minute and i love it Sometimes it's physically not possible, you know, it's not like I can just come on set the next day and then I need time to prep, I need time to pull looks, I need time to research and really like hone in what I want to show. So sometimes it's physically not possible. Do you think it would be safe to say that you wouldn't compromise yeah. the quality of the work that you think you can produce in order to say, I don't know, dress a really big name or be featured in a really big publication? I think those kind of things happen like case by case. So it's hard to say yes or it's hard to say no, I wouldn't. I would like to think no, I would like to not compromise because essentially I am sort of, you know, showcasing my work and a part of myself as well, which is quite important. It depends on the job. If it's your dream job and you only have a few days, I think there is ways of making it work. You just need to be adaptable. You've got to weigh out the pros and cons. Try and say yes to as much as you can. But obviously, you know, there is restrictions and you do want to do the best job. And I think that comes with experience as well. You know, in the beginning, you kind of say yes to everything. Mm. But then you sort of refine your taste, refine your style. And then you can really hone in those skills that you've got. And, and Absolutely. What do you think would be your dream job? What's your dream commission mm. <laughs> i don't know i'd love to star rihanna <laughs> hey i would love to see you star rihanna <laughs> i mean i don't think she needs help <laughs> at all but i think that would be amazing mm. um i think she'll be really fun to work with and i think she's actually a, a really good inspiration as well so i think working with who inspires you is really important i mean you have worked with some very inspiring names i mean you mentioned aquaria before and georgia smith and Mabel mm -hmm. and Anne-Marie mm -hmm. and so many people. Who do you think has really inspired you who you've met through your work? Well, recently, I actually started working with Rina Sawayama, who's an amazing singer. She's got an amazing taste herself mm. and we kind of bounce off each other as we work together. You know, we get each other's style. It's been a real pleasure working with her. I think it's been really fun. It's always nice when an artist lets you do whatever you want, but then also hone it in themselves. There's kind of that back and forth situation 
situation. It's kind of like you're presenting a version of what you think they should look like, but you know, they need to be comfortable, they need to be happy, and they need to love it themselves. But it's kind of like your version of them, and then they present their version of themselves and then you kind of merge that together so yeah she's been a really amazing one to work with recently i've done a, quite a few shoots with her absolutely um yeah it's just been so interesting to me to hear about you know how you define styling and how you feel it can help define people's identity it's it's just clothes are so personal at the end of the day we wear it every day it's what we express ourselves through without saying anything so it's just an amazing, fun way of self-expression, I guess. It, it gets me excited. I'm interested as well in this kind of tension between people who work in fashion who see it as a job and people who sort of define themselves by their career. Do you think you define yourself by your career? Um, I mean, yes, I think I do. I don't see it as just a paycheck or, you know, I don't see... Because I think it's kind mm. of already built within me. It's part of who I am, whether I like it or not. I also love creative direction, you know, styling is amazing, but I also love creating an overall image. And, you know, whenever I'm on set in general, I always kind of direct a shoot. It just happens naturally in a way. So mm. it definitely defines me. That's so yeah. interesting. So... You think with your, you know, your slashies mm -hmm. that we've mentioned, yeah. you think it sort of came very naturally to you rather than it was something that you were like, I want to try my hand at that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, for every shoot that I do or every job, every project I take, it's just kind of natural for me to think mm. of the bigger picture, you know, to think more angles than just a rail of clothes. You know, you think about models, you, you have creative conversations with photographers talk about lighting you talk about hair and makeup the set i think about what it means who is that girl mm. who is that character if you could try another fashion job what do you think you'd like to try your hand at next Ooh. something that i've not done at all i think i you know what i'm really fascinated by beauty mm. i have to say mm. so some sort of beauty editor job or something in that world i always wanted to try i'm really obsessed with products <laughs> I think beauty is just so enchanting. I think that's something I would definitely wouldn't mind trying. Oh, I'd love to see that, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Watch this space, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kate, thank you so much for talking thank with me. Thank you have for having me. <laughs> you are and always will be a fashion slashy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this has been a Click of Me podcast. Join our community to discover, connect and collaborate with fashion creatives. You can follow Click of Me on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Stay tuned for more from me.